And welcome to Imagination Fun Time. I am your host, Brandon Devine. Well, it has certainly been a while since I have talked to you people. How have you been? It's been the better part of a year since I have posted a podcast. And a lot has happened in the past year. Uh, to bring you up to speed, it's been a very crazy year. Um, I've actually, for a long time, for most of this past year, I've been held as a political prisoner in Paris, France. Um, I went on vacation last year to Paris. I've always wanted to see France. Who hasn't wanted to see France? France is an amazing place. And I was at a show at Elysee Marmont, of enjoying enjoying a great uh, house festival, house music festival. And all of a sudden, I get tapped on the shoulder and I start making it's some guy. And he just starts talking to me and some Frenchmen. We start making friends and you know, I have a couple drinks with him and we go out and we enjoy, he shows me the town. Next thing I know, I'm at this guy's apartment and we're partying and there's girls and there's drugs and there's booze. And then the next thing you know, French special forces break through the door and start arresting everybody. They drag me into jail. Next thing I know, I'm being questioned in by all these French police officers. I have no idea what the fuck they're saying. And they keep beating me over the head with fucking uh, phone books because I'm English, calling me a redheaded English bastard. <laughs> um, and they just fucking keep – and apparently I'm being – what I learned later is I'm being set up. This Frenchman was looking for a patsy. I'm being set up and I'm being charged with distributing drugs in Paris. And they send me to this prison – and all of a sudden, here I am, sentenced to 20 years to life in France. And it's it's fucking crazy. I'm just sitting there. I have been in France for all of four days. And now all of a sudden, I'm detained for 20 years to possibly the rest of my life for selling, I think it was like ecstasy or something like that. I think it's what they, charged, they were trying to charge me with. Anyway, so keep... So I'm in French prison and it's going, you know, it's not good. It, it's not good. I'm slow. I still am not able to learn the French language. I can't communicate with anybody. Um, I'm making no friends except for my cellmate, a big man by the name of Jacques. And Jacques, he takes pity on me and I'm eventually able to communicate with Jacques. And Jacques is able to tell me, oh, my God, boy, you have been set up. I know what's going on. That's terrible. And then eventually Jacques comes up with a great plan. He's like, Brandon, we're going to escape. And I'm like, what? He's like, yes, we are going to escape. And so we, Jacques and I spend the next, I think, four to five months basically uh, Shawshanking our way out of French prison in the middle of Paris. Uh, we dig through the walls in our cell. We eventually come uh, to... Have you ever seen if you ever seen Shawshank Redemption? It's basically kind of it's a we basically had to do basically that we plunged, dug through the wall, got to where all the sewage piping and the and the piping boiler room whatever for the entire prison. We bust through a fucking sewage pipe, and Jacques and I end up crawling about four miles through raw sewage into uh, the Sinine come out into the Sinine River and Jacques and I swim to shore. Uh, we have to ditch our clothes and then Jacques takes me. He's like, Brennan, 
I like you. I'm going to get you back to America. He take Jacques hides me in his apartment. His Jacques wife is a very, very wonderful lady. She takes pity on me. She takes me to, uh, they, they get me, uh, they're able to hook me up with a small prop plane that is flying from France into Germany. Uh, they shave my head. They give me a hole. They disguise me. They do everything to make because we're on the run. You know, clearly they're looking for us. Big seven, big six foot five, two hundred fifty pound Frenchman. Small five eight, one hundred seventy pound redheaded guy. Yeah, they're gonna be looking for us. And so Jacques' wife hooks me up with this prop plane. They take me into Germany, and through there they're able to get me from Germany to Sweden, Sweden to Norway, Norway to Spain. And then from there, I sail across the Atlantic on a steamer working for two months, hauling fish, scrubbing decks. And they drop me off in port somewhere in North Carolina. And I have to hitchhike my way all the way back to Arkansas just so I could get here and give you this wonderful podcast because I know how much you people care about listening to me ramble about just complete nonsense and talk to you about things that you could just watch on TV or on the internet without needing to listen to my stupid ass. So interesting story. It's been a, it's been a pretty interesting year. <laughs> nah, for real, for real though, I've just been lazy. Um, not just lazy. Uh, last year, I, last year around the spring, uh, I did a play at the Arkansas public theater. Um, called art uh that took about two months of my time and it was a really fun play it was a beautiful play actually that was also that was a french play um it was really fun i had a really good time doing it um and it was such an amazing great experience and a great artistic uh stretch of the stretch of the muscles for uh for my acting um, since then I spent, uh, last summer, me and my friend Nikki went to Denver. We went to the South Park 25th anniversary concert. That was, I am now, not only was I a big diehard fan of South Park and a big fan of Primus. Now I'm a big fan of Ween. Ween, if, if you have never listened to Ween, I highly recommend you people listen to Ween. Ween is one of the greatest bands that has ever existed. And Diener and Jeaner are some of the best artists who have ever lived. One day I hope to visit New Hope, Pennsylvania. It looks beautiful. So anyways, after that, uh, did another play in the fall called Almost Maine. Uh, that was a really fun play. Um, and then actually, a couple months later, around Christmas time, I actually got to go to Maine. Uh, did a vacation uh, a couple months ago with my family, my dad, my stepmom, my stepbrother, my stepsister, and my brother Trevor. And we all went to Maine. We skied Sunday River. It was a great time. Uh, I need, I needed to ski so bad. It, God, that was so fucking needed and necessary. Oh, it's been beautiful. Um, so now what I'm trying to do is I'm really trying to get back into focusing on this podcast. It's something I love enjoying doing. Um, just it's fun. It's easy. It's just something to keep the creative juices flowing. Um, so I hope you're all having a good year. And so let's get started. Uh, let us take a look at what's going on on IMDb. Okay. So the current news on IMDb for as of Thursday, February 9th at 
2023 at 11.58 a.m. Uh, let's see. Top news is TV Academy and Fox reveal Emmy dates, key art for 2023 telecast. I actually, for those of you who don't, here's some that I actually got to go to the Emmys two years in a row as a seat filler. Two of the best, oh my gosh, some of the best nights ever. Those were so fun. Um, Nicole Kidman to play Kay Scarpita, an adaption of Patricia Cornwell novels. Not sure who that is. Landed with a plum role of a Virginia medical examiner. Ooh, that'll be fun. Damon Wayne and Damon Wayne's Jr. family comedy gets CBS pilot order. The Waynes are coming back! Oh, the Waynes are coming back! Uh, we need we need the Waynes, dude. Damon Wayne, Keenan Ivory Wayne. If you've never seen In Living Color, truly one of the best sketch shows of all time. So fucking funny. Uh, and let's see. Burt... Bacharach, legendary pop composer. Oh, it dies at 94. That's, I have no idea. I'm, unfortunately, I'm not sure who this man is. I've never heard of him until now, but rest in peace, sir. That is terrible. Um, that's sad. Okay, folks, let's get into what this podcast is about. Uh, today, I want to talk about a legendary TV show. Legendary TV show that they took away from us. That... Woke culture and the internet complained too much about and took away from us. One of the staples of the Fox network, Cops. Um, this episode I specifically want to talk about Cops episodes from the 90s, which I consider and many people other consider the golden era of Cops. It, I mean, 90s Cops is just so... If you compare like episodes of Cops from like the mid to late... Two, from like 2010 and on... And go back to the 90s. It's insane. There's so... Like, cops today have just so much more to deal with than cops did back then. You know, with social media, camera phones, all this stuff. And not, I'm not trying to defend, you know, the bad cops. The cops that actually need to be taken off the force. But, like, they still have a very hard job. And it's just fucking insane, like, how distrustful the public becomes of police. I don't necessarily enjoy interacting with police because i get nervous you know as a pot smoker i'm always you know fucking nervous that they're gonna arrest me for carrying weed but we still need them and you know the good there's much, many more good cops than there are bad cops and that's always a fact um so this episode i wanted to talk so this episode of podcast i wanted to talk about a few segments from episodes in the 90s uh, they were just like, it was just so much raw, more real cops were like, definitely, a, definitely a lot meaner and tougher back then. If you, I mean, if cops have been, if the show of cops been around, it, it will technically start in the late eighties, the very, the very end of the eighties. So, but if, I mean, if you had captured like so much more of cops, like old school cops, like dude, some of them were just insane and just mean, rough and just fucking assholes, but also, you know, necessary for their tough, insane job. Okay, so the first segment I want to talk about is from um, an episode in season five where the cops get a call t about a juvenile with a gun, which is a very scary call. You know, it's scary when you get a call, any call with a gun, but if a juvenile carry a gun, that is just ten times more dangerous because you, you never know what the kid – you never know what young people are going to do. So in this call, the cops get a call about a juvenile with a gun. 
So the squad car and like a few other squad cars, they end up rolling up to a basketball court in an apartment complex um, where they find a, like fo- like a group of teenagers, I think like probably like eight or so teenagers, you know, all ranging from probably like 13 to like 16 years old. Um, they're all playing basketball. And the cops get there, cops draw their guns and order everybody, you know, freeze, hands in the air. And they're very firm. They are not playing around. They are not being, they're, they're just straight up not being nice at all. Like they're being firm old and old school cops, uh, treat all these teenagers like, you know, true suspects right now because they don't know which one of these kids has a gun. So the kids all... The kids are all listening and, you know, none of them are like really arguing or putting up a fight or resisting or anything, but they're all, and they're all clearly scared, but the cops are still just doing their job. They're, they frisk all of them. They're fine. Um, parents come out of the apartments cause you know, a bunch of the kids, probably all the kids live in the apartments and the parents, the parents are trying to intervene a little bit, but the cops are keeping all of them back being like, no, we'll deal with you all later. You all stay back or else you will be arrested as well. And the, and so eventually, come lo and behold, the cops do find a gun. They find a gun on just one of the teens. I think it was like a small, like probably like a six shooter or something. Like not, not it was it wasn't a big gun, but still, fucking like teenager, a high school kid with a gun is fucking retarded. There is no reason for any high school kid to be should there should be no logical reason for any high school kid needing to be carrying around a fucking strap. Like, it's just fucking stupid. Like, I remember what it was like being a teenager. And I remember, you know, you know, I was, you know, I definitely didn't grow up in a rough neighborhood. And I went to expensive boarding school and stuff like that. But I remember, you know, teenagers, you know, the common rationality of thinking guns are cool. And thinking, like, that kind of, like, gangster shit is fucking cool. It's not. It's fucking stupid. And it's going to do nothing but get you killed. Killed or end up in jail. So... Cops find so the cops eventually find one gun. They find one gun, um, and they only take in the one teen. Every day, all the other teens are let go. You know, they only take in the one that is possession of the gun. Uh, parent, the parent is clearly shocked. Like the parent is just fucking pissed and furious. Like why? When the cop explains, like, look, we're taking your son in. They had a gun, and the parent, the mom and dad are just fucking livid. Like, god damn it, this fucking bullshit. Not mad the cops, mad their son, as they should be, because their son is a moron for being a fucking teenager carrying an unlicensed weapon. It's fucking stupid. So the kids, the kid goes in, and that's the end of the segment. And, you know, the cops did their job. The cops took a potentially very dangerous situation, diffused it, and took a, you know, I wouldn't like to say this kid's a bad guy, because he's just a fucking kid. He's like 15. It's like fucking 15, 14, 16 years old, something like that. So he's not like a truly bad, bad person. You know, he's just making dumb, bad choices. So fucking kid got taken in and probably, you know, hopefully learned from, hopefully really learned from this and turned his life around. I have no idea. That was shot in, you know, that episode was shot in like the mid 90s. So that was almost 30 years ago. This kid is probably almost 50 years old by now. Um. Okay. So the second one I want to talk, the second segment I want to talk about is a segment that was shot in my hometown, Buffalo, New York. Uh, Cops came to Buffalo during one season in the 90s. And so far, that was the only season that cops ever filmed in Buffalo, New York. 
they filmed a handful of episodes. Um, it was season six, so I believe it was around like 95, 96, something like that, that they came to Buffalo. At the time, I was alive. I was two, three, I was born in 93, but, you know, so I was like two, three years old. Uh, you know, at the time when they were filming in Buffalo, filming in downtown Buffalo, I was, you know, you know, enjoying myself as a, as an infant and a toddler in, in, uh, Orchard Park, New York. Um, so one of the, so one of the segments that they filmed in one of the Buffalo episodes of Cops is there was a terrible boating accident that happened on the Buffalo Niagara River, um, where two Two fishermen died in the crash. Um, so, like, they find this boat. They find bodies in the water. They and it's just it's just chaos. It's just chaos. It, it's, the bodies are of a man named. I have I have pictures on my phone of reports of an article from the Buffalo News about it from way back when. Bodies of Mark Guzzati and Alexander H. Dan. Both lived in Niagara. Both lived in the same Niagara Street address. Were recovered Thursday afternoon by police divers. More than ten hours after power boaters had told the Coast Guard that they thought they hit a buoy or submerged object in the water. So, um, so what it turns out is that these two men went out in the night to go fishing on the river. It was fine. It's, you're allowed to do that, but at night it can be dangerous. It's dark. It's, um, and what it turns out is that these two men, their boat was literally hit and ran over by a speedboat, by a high performance speedboat, uh, owned by a man named Daniel J. English of Blaisdell. Um, so his, it was essentially, this was a fatal hit and run on the water. Which is just so fucked up, and it's like cr- even more crazy. That's like, how does that happen? Um, so, like in the episode, in the segment, like the uh, the Coast Guard is out in uh, somewhere in the Niagara River or somewhere in the in the bay in the water leading into Lake Erie, and they find this boat. They find these two bodies. They find a capsized boat, and it's just insane. It like. There's not there's not too many episodes like the old school episodes of cops definitely had a lot more dead bodies than uh current episodes of cops cuz you know the more current episodes of cops from like the past 10 20 years just didn't have as many bodies cuz I think you know standards and you know standards in TV obviously changed and people didn't want to see that or got um but it was just so disturbing watching this Watching them pull these bodies out of the fucking water, and um, so, anyways, uh, the damaged and partially submerged fishing boat was spotted in the rivers. Um, the larger boat had been moving fast when it hit the fishing craft. Max said, but the authorities had not yet estimated from what damage, what speed might have been involved. The damaged and partially submerged fishing boat was spotted in the rivers hours after the collision. Investigators picking through the wreckage of the Leaping Lady said it appeared a 17-foot boat had been run over from front to back. Dude, what the fuck? They also noted that a switch for the boat's running light and spotlight were in the on position. If 
Oh my fucking god. Guzzati Dan left to go fishing near Strawberry Island at about 11 p.m. Wednesday and did not return. Police said the wife of one of the men reported them overdue when they had failed to return home by 9.20 a.m. Thursday. Hours earlier, the Coast Guard had been alerted to what appeared to be a relatively minor mishap in the river. A caller told the Coast Guard he had been near Strawberry Island after midnight was in a speedboat when the boat operator noticed something in front of them, Lieutenant Owen said. When the operator veered the boat, it hit something, skipped on the water, one person fell out, and the boat was damaged, the lieutenant reported the caller as saying. A second boat picked up the man in the water, and the damaged boat tied up at the harbor place marine in the foot at the foot of Ontario Street. The person taken from the water street at St. Joseph Hospital in Chitawaga for a broken arm after reporting the incident, according to Sheriff's Department reports. Detectives were trying to determine exactly who was aboard Bandit, which reportedly had been at the pier, bar, and restaurant on the Buffalo Waterfront before the accident. Spotted around noon. Oh my god, dude. It's just insane. This guy literally ran over an entire boat back to front and left these two men to die in the river. Fucking sad. Fucking sad. And I hope he went to jail. And I hope he's still in jail because that's fucked up. Okay, so the third segment I want to talk about is from an episode of Cops from 1994. Actually, it's from January 1st, 1994. Happy New Year. Uh, that, was the first, that was the first New Year I, celeb- I was technically alive for. Um, I was born in 93, so first New Year's I was alive for was New Year's 94. Um, and this episode, this segment takes place in New York City. It, according to IMDb, this episode was labeled as New York City Subway Sp- Special episode. Okay, so in this episode, uh, in this segment, there's a couple cops. There's a, a group of cops that uh, part of their, they're a part of a task force that is designated to work on clearing uh, homeless people out of the abandoned, abandoned and empty subway tunnels in New York City. Throughout the history of New York, throughout the history of the subway in New York City, there has always been one one of the major problems. Is you know in any major city especially new york city which is one of the busiest most insane cities and the biggest cities most populated uh world cities in the entire world um homeless problem there's always been a massive homeless problem there and one of the one of the most common places that so many homeless people throughout the history of the new york city subway have moved into is the subway um throughout my life every time throughout my life you know, the mid nineties onward, I've been going to New York city and been the subway so many countless times. And I've seen homeless people just living in the tunnel, living, you know, on the platforms and the stairwells, right by the ticket counters. You, you see them everywhere, but to think, but there, there are so many homeless people that have spent years living within the abandoned, within the tunnels not even the abandoned tunnels. Some of them live in within the active tunnels, which is so insanely dangerous. Um, so in this ep- in this segment, uh, this group of cops go and to clear uh, section uh, to clear uh, go and explore this uh, quarter mile section of a tunnel. Uh, turn their what they go to is a tunnel for the F train. It's located where they go is located from Broadway Lafayette to Second Avenue, 
which is literally the border. It's it's literally around the border of of the Noho East of Noho East Village and Lower East Side. Um, so they go into this tunnel. It's only a quarter mile stretch of the tunnel between these two stations. Um, they go in and they find this guy. They they're going in. They're trying to get this one guy out of there. And according to the cops, like they've been trying for years to get this one homeless man out of living within the subway. But sadly, every time they clear this man out, he just makes his way back in because that's his choice. He just he's the homeless, I mean, when you talk, when you think about homeless people, there's so many, when you're like, and you try to think about it in a really, truly rational way and not like in an angry, annoyed kind of way. There's so many different reasons for people being homeless. Uh, you know, there is, you know, people have bad luck, run out of money and are evicted from homes. There's some people who are just kicked out of homes due to drug problems, alcohol problems. There are many and then there's also a lot of homeless people that are just on the street because they're truly severely mentally ill and just had no one in their life that could take care of them or was willing to take care of them. And, you know, there are people that are just abandoned by by the mental health system and and society in general. <clears throat> so, you know, you know, it's insane the kind of you got to think like what kind of truly insane mindset a person has to be in to be willing like fully willing not not being forced like this is fully willing to live down in active subway tunnels in new york city is just insane like this guy in it like for those and for those of you who don't know like in the subway it's a subway dust it's a it's a dirty train tunnel i have literally seen rats on the tracks in new york city subways the size of large cats, like over, like almost two feet long, man. Rats, fucking rat. That rat could literally eat. That rat could eat you. Um, and this man is—they show this man literally sleeping, like basically naked, wrapped up in a blanket. Uh, they show where he keeps his food. They keep his—he keeps his food, whatever food he's able to scrounge up in, like plastic bag and he keeps it in a hole covered by a wooden plank to protect from the rats being able to eat it and so the cops the cops are trying to clear this man out they're trying to take him to a shelter trying to get him help and they just comment saying that they this is like the multiple time over years that they've cleared this same man out of this area of the tunnel and they get him out that night and but i'm sure you know soon after soon after he they cleared him out. I'm sure he went right back in. And so this was like 30 years ago. This is over 30 years ago. Or almost... Yeah, this that episode was almost 30 years ago. So good chance to probably... Good chance this guy, that guy's probably not alive anymore. But just what... What a hard life that is. What, what a hard life that man must live. It's truly sad. Because New York City will always be my absolute favorite fucking place in the entire world. Always will be. Always has been. And it's just, it's sad seeing people like that. I've talked to homeless people on the streets of New York City. I talked to, when I was uh, in film school, I ended up talking to a guy, to a, to a homeless kid who was younger than me. I was 23 when I was in film school in the city. 
I talked to this homeless kid who was 19 and living living on the, the sidewalk on Wall Street. And I just asked him, I was smoked, I uh, gave him a couple cigarettes, I was smoking a cigarette with him. And I just asked him, like, can I just ask, like, how did you end up like this? And he was super cool about it. He's like, I've been a heroin addict for two years. And my parents kicked me out of the house at 18. He said he was from Staten Island. Um, and his parents just couldn't deal with it anymore. And they kicked him out. And he said he's been living on the streets for about a year. He said parent, once his parents kicked him out, he just came over to the city and been, you know, living in Manhattan, in the streets of Manhattan for over a year. It's fucking sad, man. So anyways, that is 90s Cops. Uh, if you go on YouTube, there are so many clips and segments of cops on YouTube to watch. If I highly recommend them. It's so entertaining to watch. If you watch it with an open mind and just know that these people are doing their job, doing a really tough job that most, so many people don't even, would never want to do. I could never be a cop. It's such a hard job. Um, and thank God for the great men and women in law enforcement that truly um, do the job well and set an example for the rest of society. All right, folks, thank you for listening. Um, I hope you all have a really great day. I'm going to continue to post more episodes of Imagination Fun Time soon. I'm really trying to focus this year on making sure I get further with this podcast. I want to continue this podcast. And eventually I want to do interviews on this podcast. So you never know. So um, thank you, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you later.